transition into the word of the Lord today, I have asked a very special gentleman to come today and just share a testimony, what God has done in his life. Many of you know uh, Brother John Curley, Brother John uh, here at Grace Point, he is our one of our safety and security directors here at the church. Uh, God has just done an incredible uh, work in his life over the past couple of years, and uh, I don't want to steal any of his thunder today, but back in August, we had a we had a children's revival service, and Brother Duvall came and ministered for us here at Grace Point, amen, and while God was moving amongst the children up here in the front, back in the back, God was filling Brother John with the Holy Ghost, amen, hallelujah, just something about that childlike faith, I don't know. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. We love Brother John and his family. We appreciate who they are and what they mean to Grace Point Church. And I'm, I'm going to preach a message today that goes right along with his testimony. But Brother John, I want you to come right now. Amen. He's going to share. Would you welcome Brother John Curley today? Amen. God bless us in Jesus' name. back to the year 1979. In 1979, I was a route truck driver for a company called Empire Linen Service, Lynn, Massachusetts. Now, Empire Linen is where I met my wonderful wife, Peggy, of 48 years. One day, God did something very special for me. But before I start with that, I'd just like to remind everyone <clears throat> of John 14, 14, where the Lord says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I was a truck driver. You gotta work with me. This is the, this is the handle. This, this is the steering wheel. My truck was a 1965 International Harvester Roadmaster. It was a manual shift. Anyone know what a manual shift is? Yeah, had the clutch, four speed. The gear ratio was, was good enough that I didn't have to use first gear unless the truck was really, really heavy, really loaded. Now, Empire Linen Service was a rental, a linen rental company. What that meant is we brought you fresh, clean linen on the truck. And we picked up the soiled, brought it back to the laundry. It got washed, brought back again the next week. One of my customers was a nursing home in Gloucester, Massachusetts. Big nursing home, hundreds of beds. Hundreds of beds means hundreds of sheets, towels, pillowcases, face cloths, bath towels, hand towels, uniforms for the staff, 
kitchen towels, all kinds of things. But this particular week was a holiday, had been a holiday weekend, so I was a day late. It was an extra day of laundry. My truck was 27 feet long, held a lot of stuff. But because, because it was a holiday week, I filled that truck up, top to bottom. I had to use a branch to shove laundry bags into the empty spaces up in the top. It was so full that I had to stand on the handle of the pull-down door just to get it to close. And I had to use first gear just to get it to move. Now, the route from the nursing home in Gloucester back to Lynn, Massachusetts was typically Route 128. 128 eventually became I-95, but at that time, it wasn't. And on the way back, in the Peabody area, there's this big hill, similar to the Cutting the Hill in Covington, but it was steep. It went up, then it leveled off, then it went up again, then it leveled off again. You ready for this? There was a traffic light at the bottom. Again, before it became I-95. And with the truck as heavy as it was, so full, as I approached the light, I was hoping, hoping that it's not a red light, that's green, and I can keep up my speed. It wasn't. As I get closer, I can see the, the traffic, is, the, the light is red. But as I'm downshifting, again, manual, as I'm downshifting, I get down to about 35 miles an hour, the light turned green. That <laughs> was great. I wouldn't have to pull over to the breakdown lane, put on my flashes, and crawl up the hill. That was, that was great. So I get up the hill, get to the first level. I'm doing 45 now. Truck's still heavy. That's all right, I'm doing 45, getting up to the second part. I'm hitting 55 as I crest over the hill, ready to put into, put into high gear and press that pedal down. And over the crest of the hill, all three lanes of traffic were at a dead stop. And there was a state trooper parked in the breakdown lane. I had to stand on the brakes of, the, of that truck. I had to downshift, make the engine scream, the transmission complain, and I wasn't stopping. I was not slowing down. I'm holding that brake down, holding it down. I'm getting so close that I can see the driver of the car ahead of me needs to see his barber and have his neck shaved. Act close, but I can't stop. I'm still doing 50. There's cars to both sides of me. I have no place to go. Standing on the brake. No, 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 please let me stop, stop. Oh, dear Lord, don't let me kill them. God changed everything 
as if his mighty unseen hand came down from heaven, picked up my truck, brought it over to the grassy median, and let me come to a safe stop 10 cars forward. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But it's not over yet. The story's not over yet. You know, Lynn, Massachusetts is north of Boston, so it's Boston traffic. I don't know if you've ever heard about Boston drivers. Everything you've heard is true. Driving in the Boston area is, can be a contact sport. If you make eye contact with the next driver, you lose. So now, I'm in the grassy median, there's construction, the cars are back to back to back, all three lanes, I gotta get back out there. So I hit my blinker, uh, that's the turn indicator for you guys that are not from New England. I hit my blinker, look in the back, in the mirror, the traffic stopped and let me out. That's unheard of. You see, not only did God make a miracle and not let me kill those people, he also made a way for me. He is the way maker miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the dark. My God, that is who you are. Come on, somebody give God some praise right now. Would you do that? Why don't you praise him like he's ever done something for you? Come on, has he ever delivered you? Has he ever saved you? Did he bring you out of darkness into marvelous light? Thank you, Brother John, for that incredible testimony. Remain standing all across the building if we could today. <laughs> Hallelujah. You ought to never be ashamed to testify. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So I'm going to preach today on this simple thought. You ought to testify. The book of Luke, chapter 21, today, verse number 10, I'm reading from the Amplified Version. The Bible says, then he, being Jesus, told them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be mighty and violent earthquakes and in various places, famines and contagious and infectious epidemic disease, which are deadly. 
There's going to be sights of terror and great signs in the heaven. And they will lay their hands upon you, he said, and persecute you, turning you over to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be led away before kings and governors for my name's sake. Boy, that all seems pretty negative, doesn't it? That seems, that seems like some pretty scary stuff. But verse 13 says, but it will, all of this, will provide an opportunity for you to bear testimony. Another translation says, but it will turn to you for a testimony. Another one says, all of this will result in your being a witness to them. Another one says, this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. It's going to turn out for you an occasion to testify. Oh, you ought to testify. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we love you. God, we thank you today for what we have felt. God, and what we have heard in this place. God, I thank you for the testimony, Lord, of the Lord, which is sure and true. God, I'm asking that you would help us today. Let your word do a perfect work. In Jesus' name we pray. And somebody said amen. amen. Come on. God bless you. You can be seated today in the name of Jesus. I got to admit, I don't know a whole lot about the world of advertising. And marketing. Sometimes I think I do. <laughs> Sometimes I think I have good ideas about how companies ought to advertise their products and services. Me and Brother Duvall, we wanted to start our own little marketing firm at one point. We were going to help these people out. We were going to write jingles and stuff. It was going to be good. Amen. And so sometimes I have great ideas and I share them with my kids. And my kids quickly remind me why I shouldn't quit my day job. Right, man? Yeah, they're, they're brutal on you, kids. Amen. They'll put you in your place. It seems to me that there are a lot more options and ways to advertise and market products and services today than there ever, there ever were. I suppose that it all started with good old-fashioned word of mouth. You know, somebody finds something that they like, and then they tell their, their family, they tell their friends, and their friends tell their friends, and their friends tell their friends, and, you know, before you know it, the word is out, the word would spread. And then along came somebody, and they had an idea for the print ad, and they said, we, we're going to, the printing press, and we're going to print some things, we're going to make some posters. And then, then newspapers came along, and you had park benches, and then they came up with the yellow pages. How many remember the yellow pages? Remember that? For all of you young people, before there was Google and before there was Yelp, we had this huge book, that, and, and the pages were yellow, and so they said, let's call it the yellow pages. That's pretty clever, right? Yeah. There was radio advertising, and then came television advertising, and then when the internet came along, that kind of changed everything, right? Because now you, you've got websites, and you've got pop-up ads, and you've got social media platforms that have made products and services more available than ever. Yes, in today's high-tech, fast-paced world, there is no shortage of ways to share information 
and advertise the latest and greatest thing to the masses. And yet with all of those options for getting the word out, with all of those mediums available to you and I for all the technology that we have to promote one's products, most advertising experts will tell you that the best method for advertising is still the tried and true method of word of mouth. Word of mouth, opening up your mouth and sharing with somebody else through utterance and enunciation. That's right. Experts know and understand that a testimonial from a satisfied user is by far the most powerful and impactful weapon that they have in their arsenal. That's why most businesses would just assume you give them a high rating on Google. That's why most businesses would just assume that, they, that you leave them a good online review, right? Because they know that there's something about a personal testimony. There's something about a positive first-hand encounter that draws attention and drives success. It's one thing to, set, to, to, to sell it in a magazine. It's another thing to hear it on the radio or see it on television or, or on a social media thread. But, but to personalize the experience to the point where the, the customer f can feel and, and touch and empathize, if you will, with the story, well, that is the ultimate experience. And all of this makes the testimony the most effective means of making a lasting impression in the marketplace. I want us to understand today that when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, when it comes to sharing the good news, there are a lot of ways that we can do that. There are a lot of ways that we can get the message out. There's preaching, there's teaching, there's audio and video and print material and websites and podcasts and yes, even social media. In fact, we're live on social media right now. We're doing it as we speak, right? There's all kinds of ways and while we may not be the experts and while we may not claim to have the best and most effective means of sharing this great message and this Pentecostal experience, it is by the best way to do it, the best way, the tried and true method, the method that has yet to ever let us down and fail us is none other than the method of good old-fashioned word of mouth. Or as you and I might call it, a good old-fashioned testimony. Mm. Oh, you got to hear me today. If we aren't careful, we can find ourselves listening to all the good worship music and hearing all the great preaching and teaching and we can fill up on the fellowship and we can fill up on the programs and we get fed and we get entertained with, until our souls become content. But I would submit to you this morning that if we are going to be the church that God has called us to be, if we're going to see miracles, uh, if we're going to see lives changed, uh, if we're going to see God do something in our city and in our communities, then somebody is going to have to be willing to open up your mouth and tell your story. I said somebody's got to testify. 
Somebody's got to say, I once was lost, uh, but now I'm found. Uh, I once was blind, uh, but now I see. I was dead in my trespass and sin, but thanks be unto God, he brought me out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a solid rock. Oh, somebody give God praise. Look at your neighbor and say, you ought to testify. Mm. In the text that we read, Jesus told his followers that there would be some perilous times that would come. That they would have to endure some challenges, some difficulties in this life. Now we understand that this particular passage of scripture Jesus is actually talking specifically about the events that will take place during the end of days, the end time. But I got to tell you, since you and I are, are, are actually living in these very days, I think it would be safe for you and I to recognize that we are surrounded by some of the very things that Jesus talked about in the scripture. He said, nation is going to rise against nation. Now, that's not talking about China against Israel. That's not talking about Russia against the United States. That's talking about, that's talking about racial divide and cultural conflict. It's true. Earthquakes in which everything that can be shaken is being shaken. Infectious disease, pandemics, signs of terror, religious persecution, and more specifically, persecution for the sake of the name of Jesus. Oh, I know that we don't see a lot of that here in America, but I'm telling you, outside of these borders, it is happening. It's happening. Yeah. And I think we'd all agree that we are living in such a time even now and today. Jesus wanted his followers in the church to, to understand that we are going to witness and be party to some things in this life that may not always be good. He said, in this life, you will have your trouble. It's going to happen. You, you may have to endure a few things. You, you may have to expect some hardship from time to time. You, you may be persecuted. You, you may have to deal with physical and mental issues. The, the body may break down. Things may happen. Dark seasons of life may come. But what you need to know, Jesus says, and what you need to remember is that while things may look bad now, and while things may seem dark Today, while you might be walking through the valley of the shadow of death uh, right now, while things may seem hopeless to you where you are, while it may seem that nothing good is ever going to come out of the situation that you're in, Jesus said, just know that all of this will provide an opportunity for you to share a testimony. Mm. 
while you're trying to navigate the hardships of life, just know that it will turn to you uh, for a testimony. While people are trying to tear you down and destroy you, just know that all of this will result uh, in an opportunity for you to be a witness. While your body is deteriorating from the affliction and the disease, just remember it will eventually be your opportunity to share somebody about Jesus when it seems that everybody and everything is against me. And while I'm going down for the last time, I got to take rest in the fact that it will turn out for me an occasion to testify. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying all that negative stuff that's happening to you right now. Yeah, all those trials, all those heartaches, all the cares of a life. You do not have to fear, my friend. And you do not have to be afraid because it's all creating an opportunity for you to testify. Come on, look at your neighbor and say you ought to testify. Mm. I've come to help somebody today that's living in a war zone right now. The devil is attacking your home. The enemy's trying to invade your life. You've got earthquakes in your relationships. You, you, you've, you've seen some scary things. Uh, but I've come to remind you today that today's trial will turn to tomorrow's testimony. Yeah. What the devil meant for bad today, God is going to turn it all for the good tomorrow. You will come through. You will survive. You will live to tell the story. Ah, you might already know this, but your Bible is divided into two parts. The New Testimony... And the Old Testament. Yeah. We know it as the Old Testament and the New Testament. And when you read both testimonies, you'll find out that both testimonies are of equal value. Because they both testify to the same thing. Mm. When you read about testimony in the Old Testimony, Testament, it refers to the law given by God to Moses on the mountaintop. Ten commandments, you know. The children of Israel would sometimes refer to these laws as the laws of the testimony. They would. As time went by, the children of Israel placed these laws or these commandments into an ark of the covenant. And so the testimony was placed into the thing that represented the presence of the Lord. And they would even sometimes refer to the Ark of the Covenant itself as the Ark of the Testimony. That word testimony in the Old Testament comes from a Hebrew word that means law. It's true. In fact, in most cases, that Hebrew word, edut, E-D-U-T, is used interchangeably as law and as testimony. Now, the law was a powerful thing. The law in the Old Testament had the power of life and death. 
It had the ability to put somebody into captivity, but it also had the power to set someone free. So if the law had that kind of a power and the word testimony was used interchangeably, then that means that a testimony has just as much power as the law. That's why the psalmist David would come along and say in Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, and the testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise simple. Now that word law there and the word testimony are both derived from that same Hebrew word. They mean the same thing. In essence, what the psalmist was saying was that the testimony of the Lord is perfect and it can convert the soul. Somebody needs to understand the power of your testimony. Oh, I want somebody to know today that your testimony of the Lord is a powerful thing. According to what we just read, our testimony has the ability to convert the soul. How powerful is it, Brother Sizemore? Well, the Bible says that Enoch had a testimony that was so powerful and it pleased God. And because Enoch was willing to testify, he was translated. Hebrews 11 says, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and he was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Let me tell you. The Bible says it takes faith to please God because without faith, no man can please God. But I would submit to you today that a testimony is just as pleasing to the Lord. And when you testify, you will please God. Luke 16 tells us the story of the rich man and Lazarus the beggar. The rich man would not help Lazarus in this life. Bible says he watched him die. He had the ability to help him, but he refused. The rich man later also died, and when he was in hell, he lifted up his eyes and he saw that beggar Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. The rich man cried out to Abraham and he said, Just let Lazarus dip his finger in the water so he can cool my tongue, for I am tormented in these flames. When, when Abraham refuses his request, the rich man begs for Abraham to do something very unique. He said, I pray thee therefore that thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them. That they also may come to this, lest they also come to this place of torment. Notice that the rich man did not beg for his brothers to be preached to. Notice that he didn't ask for them to get a Bible study. He didn't ask for somebody to invite him to church on Sunday. No, the Bible says he begged that somebody would testify to them. That they would be spared. That lets me know today that my testimony potentially has the power to spare somebody from the flames of hell. Oh! 
Let me tell you, you don't have to preach to the people. You don't have to beg the people. You don't have to sell the people. No, all we need to do is open up our mouth and testify. Tell them about the goodness of Jesus. Tell them about what God has done for you. Tell them about his miracle working power. Oh, I wish somebody would just get an unction to testify. Look at your neighbor and say, you ought to testify. Mm. My, my, my. Are we still all right, Pastor Urshan? All right. Praise God. Praise God. The Bible says the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now, I'm not a jacket taker offer kind of preacher, but if I was, this is where I'd take off my jacket. Brother John's a better preacher than I am. He took his jacket on. Day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all gathered in one accord and in one place. The Holy Ghost was poured out on all that were in attendance. Now, I grew, I've, I've been in church all my life. I've heard, I've heard preachers and, and theologians and teachers get up and say how Peter got up in Acts chapter 2 and he preached on the day of Pentecost. But if you read Acts chapter 2, you will never find where it says that Peter preached. Bible doesn't say anything about Peter preaching, teaching, prophesying. It doesn't say any of that. What it does say, however, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 40, and with many other words, Peter did testify. He did testify and exhort and they that gladly received his word what was his word it was his testimony those that gladly received his testimony they were baptized the same day and were added unto them about 3,000 souls you want to have a 3,000 soul revival somebody ought to testify You want to have people get up out of wheelchairs? Somebody ought to testify. You want to see cancer eradicated, Brother Tom? Somebody ought to testify. My God. Testify. It was Peter's testimony that was the catalyst for the greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost ever recorded in human history. Well, I just wish God would do something in my neighborhood. I just wish God would save that neighbor of mine. I wish God would bring my family back to the church. Why don't you just testify? It's the testimony of Peter that is the catalyst. And here we are in 2021. The book of Acts church. 
with the book of Acts experience. And yet with all the mediums and ways that we have to get our message out to a world who needs it, we seem to struggle a little bit with that. What do we do, Brother Sizemore? Do we need to have another conference? Do we need, do we need to, do we need to have more, more preaching and more sermons? Do, do we just need to scream a little louder? What do we need to do? Yeah. Brother Sizemore, he's losing his voice as it is. I don't think he can. Well, do we make up t-shirts? Do we have a, do we have a program? Do we, do we make a cool new website? Do we, do we start a podcast? Uh, what, what, what do we do? What, what, what's, the, what, what's the thing? What, what's the next thing to do? Listen, there isn't anything wrong with any of that. That all has its place. But I've come to tell you today that there ain't any other medium that we could do that is going to be any better or trump the good old-fashioned word of my mouth. The good old-fashioned testimony of the people of God. That will be the thing that will make the difference. Oh, there's a lot of things we could do. We could sing more songs. We we could create more events. We could do all of it. Oh, no. Oh, no. But that's not the thing, see. The thing is that we would open up our mouth and that we would testify. That we would testify of the goodness of Jesus and what he's, what he's done for me. I, when I think about it, I can't stop. I, I just, I've got to open up my mouth and I've got to let an utterance come out. I, I've got to let it, I've got to let it. Mm. Sit down, I'm finishing, I'm finishing, I'm wrapping up. John said this in Revelation chapter 12. He said, then I heard the loud voice in heaven saying, now it has come the salvation and power and kingdom of our God and the sovereignty and authority of the Messiah for the accuser of the brethren. He who keeps bringing before our God charges against them day and night. You see, we, got, we have an accuser. We have, a, we have a, an adversary in our life who so beguiles us and so hates us that he stands before God and continuously brings charges against you and me. He's like my little brother when we were kids. Just standing at mom and dad saying, do you see what he's doing? I, you see, there he is. He's doing it again. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. Constantly trying to lay things to our charge. Relentless in trying to cause grief and pain. But what this accuser doesn't seem to understand is that he has already been cast out. He's fighting a losing battle, see. He's already been defeated. He's already been conquered. And how do I know that? Because the very next verse in verse 11 of Revelation says, And they have conquered him by means of the blood of the Lamb and by the utterance of their testimony. Now that word, that's the amplified version, but that word utterance means to speak and to declare, to speak forth, to enunciate plainly. Here's a question for you today. Does my testimony have conquering power 
if I never open up my mouth and utter it. If I never speak my testimony or tell my testimony, then does it really have overcoming power? I would submit to you today that the utterance of the testimony matters. Paul told the Corinthian church, he said, pray for us that God would open up to us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. What's he saying? He's saying, I want you to pray that God would give us an opportunity to declare or to speak or to utter what Christ has done. I tell you, just like the word of God has power when it's spoken out of our mouths, likewise your testimony will only have true power when you allow yourself to utter it with your voice. There's a lot of people who utter a lot of things. A lot of things coming out of our mouths today. But I wonder how much better off we'd be if we'd opened up our mouth and let the testimony of the Lord come out. Oh, oh, instead of idle speech, Lord, let my mouth testify to your greatness. Rather than gossip and slander, Lord, let my mouth open up uh, and utter a testimony of praise uh, and thanksgiving. Instead of speaking death uh, and guile, let the words of my mouth uh, and the meditations of my heart uh, be acceptable unto you, O oh God. Let me testify that he is my strength uh, and he is my redeemer. Rather than lies, rather than deceit, uh, let my mouth testify of God's truth and his righteousness. And when your testimony comes in contact with the blood of the Lamb. Ah. <laughs> you know I love mathematical equations. So it's when your, te it's your testimony plus the blood of the Lamb equals conquering power. Your testimony plus the blood of the lamb equals conquering power. <laughs> oh, we shout about the blood. Musicians, you can come. We shout about the blood. We sing about the blood. We preach about the blood. Thank God for the blood. Mm. But I think we forget that if we could ever couple that blood, that precious blood, that saving blood, that cleansing blood, that healing blood, that if we could ever couple that blood with the utterance of our testimony, we might see victory like we've never seen victory. We might see revival like we've never seen revival. We might see anointing like we've never seen anointing. We might see miracles and signs and wonders and answers. Oh, I've come to tell you today, it's time for somebody to open up your mouth and go tell it on the mountain. It's time for somebody to be a witness of what the Lord has done. It's time for you to testify.
Oh, come on, do we have any testimonies in the house today? Come on, do we have anybody who's willing to say, I used to be, but now I am because of God. Come on, stand to your feet, everybody in this place. Mm, look at your neighbor and say, you ought to testify. Mm. Let me tell you what testimony does, Brother Colbreth. And I'm only talking to you because you know this. Testimony opens up doors that were previously unopenable. I said, testimony can make a crooked path turn to straight. Testimony can deliver you and your loved ones out of the pit of hell. under the sound of my voice today has a testimony. Am I wrong? You have a testimony. Something that God has brought you from. Something that God has delivered you out of. Some of you ought to be dead today, physically dead. But God, you ought to be in jail. You ought to be watching us from cell block D today. Yeah. But God. We're going to invite everybody to come to this altar today in just a moment. admonish you. God is going to open up a door for you to share your testimony. You say, but Brother Sizemore, I didn't get up on the pulpit like Brother John did. That's not the point. Because God never intended us to share our testimony with each other alone. But he commissioned us to go ye therefore. Get out in the highways and the hedges. There's a boy in the field, as we heard last Sunday. Yeah. There's somebody on your job that needs to hear your testimony. There's somebody under your roof that needs to hear about what God has done for you. There's a neighbor. There's a co-worker. There's a friend. Somebody needs to hear. And when they hear your testimony, it can change their eternity today. getting ready to sing. I want you to lift your hands right now all across this place. We're going to take a moment right now and we're going to thank God for the testimony that's in our lives. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord, God, for what you've done for me. God, I thank you, Lord, that you brought me out. I thank you, God, that you've delivered me. God, I'm not, I'm not what I should be, but I'm better than I used to be. God, all because
because of what you've done in my life. And now, God, I pray that you would empower us by your spirit to testify, to testify, to share, God, the word, to share what you've done in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you want to testify, why don't you come to the front today? We're going to sing. Come on down. Come on, if you want to testify. Come on, if you've got a testimony. Come on, let's testify. Sing it today. You come today. Lift your hands and say, God, I've got a testimony.
Jesus gets 